The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. Welcome to Linux Reality, episode 77. My name is Chess Griffin, and in this episode, we are going to talk about fonts and font configurations, especially with Xorg. I uh, did have a few things I wanted to talk about up front, and let's see. First of all, just a qu two quick little reminders. One is uh, to send in those audio tips. Uh, just record a little AUG or MP3, and if you do that, uh, then uh, we're going to have this little contest for the LPI Linux Certification in a Nutshell book. Uh, so please consider doing that. Also wanted to um, uh, mention again the, the call for sort of a guest podcast. As I mentioned last time, I've got several in the works, so hopefully those will be coming up here pretty soon. But if you have any ideas, uh, feel free to email me at linuxreality at gmail.com. Also wanted to uh, uh, talk about again some podcasts and sort of patio books and some you know other things I've been listening to lately. A lot of people have emailed me saying that they kind of enjoy getting the, these uh, ideas and, and suggestions on things to listen to. I've mentioned a lot of them in the past. Uh, what I'm listening to right now as far as the uh, fiction is uh, one is, is a book that was actually recommended by another Linux Reality listener in the forums, and it's called uh, Crescent. It's a uh, science fiction novel, sort of a science fiction slash horror novel. Uh, or maybe even like a science fiction slash ghost story type novel. Uh, it's definitely intended for mature adult audiences only. It's not recommended uh, for children at all, uh, but it's uh, quite good. And uh, the, the author even posted in the Linux reality forums. Uh, so that was kind of cool. His name is Phil Rossi, so I'll put a link to it. But the story is just great. I think he's on episode 16 or 17 now and i'm all caught up and i'm listening to them as they come out each week so the book is in progress so i don't know where it's going uh, but it's very cool stuff it it's sort of got a little bit of a i don't know it's sort of like a little bit of of aliens or alien i guess you know the original alien maybe a little bit of firefly even the the main character is a little bit like you know mal from firefly um it's just, it's really good. It's, it's, I, it's recommended. I, I highly recommend it. It's good stuff. Also wanted to mention two other podcasts in, in the fiction category. And a lot of people, I think, listen to these. These are pretty well known, but, um, I've been listening to them now for a while and I just, I can't believe I haven't really mentioned them. One is called Escape Pod, which is a, uh, science fiction slash fantasy slash horror type, uh, uh, podcast. And it's weekly. They put out little short stories, you know, 30 minutes, and they pay for short stories. So they get, you know, really good, really good fiction from from other you know authors. And uh, most of these stories have been published in magazines and other places first. So uh, you know that they're pretty good that, that uh, you know, before they get onto Escape Pod. The nice thing about Escape Pod is they do, they sort of rate the stories, you know, rated G, rated PG, rated R, that kind of thing. So and a couple of them, I've a couple of the G-rated ones, I've pulled down, and and I've actually let my son listen to one of my sons, my six-year-old, um, and they're great. And there's obviously ones for adults as well. And then Pseudopod, which is sort of a sister podcast, 
uh, is uh, horror only, and that's just for adults only. It's just you know, uh, adult audiences is typical horror, but it's it's really there's some really good stories in there. Um, some of the horror stories are not even really sort of blood and guts horror. It's almost more psychological kind of a horror. Um, so if you like any of that kind of stuff, I definitely recommend those two podcasts, Escape Pod and uh, Pseudopod, and I'll put links to those in uh, the show notes. And then the last little announcement here I wanted to mention up front, it's actually an email. And as an aside, I'm not going to be doing any listener tips or feedback this week. Um, sort of pressed for time again, So, but I do want to cover this, this subject of fonts. But I did get one email I wanted to read, and it's from Andrew. And Andrew says that he's a volunteer with a group organizing the Ontario Linux Fest, uh, a one-day Linux conference in Toronto on Saturday, October 13th. He just asked me to kind of get the word out. Uh, the link to their website is uh, onlinux.ca, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So that's the Ontario Linux Fest. So thanks, Andrew, and uh, just wanted to get the word out about that. All right, I think that's going to do it for announcements. Let's talk about fonts and font configuration. Okay, well, fonts, um, fonts used to be a real pain in Linux, and they still are sometimes. It's not quite as easy as it is in Linux and OS X, but it's get, it's gotten much better. I remember when I first started using Linux, installing new fonts and messing around with fonts was a real, real hassle. Uh, so I thought I'd kind of take a few minutes and just kind of talk about some issues in regards to fonts. The first thing I thought I'd uh, uh, touch on is how to uh, install fonts. So, you know, you've got uh, some, some maybe some Windows fonts or some, some other third-party fonts. Clearly, you can look for font packages in your application you know, manager, um, you know, Synaptic or one of those type things, to look for fonts to install. So I would start with that because that's you know, going to be prepackaged um, font, you know, fonts for your system, and it will run all the different commands and do everything that needs to be done to kind of register the fonts with the system. But um, just, just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, you know, uh, look at behind the scenes, uh, fonts are usually installed in a couple of different places on the system, and and some of these you can find in your xorg.conf file, and you can also find them in another file that I'll mention here in a minute. But but most of the time the uh, locations are one of the following, and it could be multiple locations. One is slash usr slash share slash fonts. Another one is slash usr slash x11 slash lib slash x11 slash fonts. Uh, and another one is slash usr slash local slash lib slash x11 slash fonts. Those are obviously system directories that can only be accessed by the root user. Uh, so you can install fonts into those directories. You, you may find the paths to those, again, as I mentioned, in the xorg.conf file. Um, you can also install fonts in your home directory under a hidden folder called .fonts. So if that folder is not there, that directory is not there in your home folder, you can just create it. Just create a, a folder called .fonts with the period in front of it. That will make it a hidden directory, and you can install fonts into those directories. You know, TTF fonts, for example, you can just unpack those or drag and drop them and put them in .fonts. Now, what you'll want to do normally to, um, uh, once you've put fonts into any of these directories, is you'll want to run a command and uh, Typically, what you want to do as a root user is type in the following, fc-cache-vf. So I'll spell that out. That's fc-cache-vf. 
And um, what that does is it basically regenerates the font configuration caches and, and sort of creates all the different uh, little uh, files and folders that are needed to sort of, you know, register the fonts with the system. Um, and it's, you know, it's very easy to do, and it will just kind of go through all the different font directories and, and locate the fonts and kind of do everything it needs to do. That's why I said those prepackaged, you know, uh, packages, I, I guess, from your, uh, from your distributions repositories will kind of do all this for you. Uh, now, you know, as I said, you know, most fonts go into one of those system fonts or into that hidden dot fonts directory. If you do that, those are, you know, available to uh, XFT aware applications. XFT, I think is X uh, font, uh, font config. It is, it's basically a, a new way of, I should, shouldn't say new, it's been around for several years now, but uh, prior to, um, gosh, I guess it was XORG version 4.3, I think it was, uh, some of this was, was different and it was a little bit more of a hassle to do. But nowadays, most applications are aware, are, are, it's called XFT aware applications. And if you do that, if you put those fonts into those directories, will kind of be automatically made available to those directories, even without having to, to run that command. But I always run that command. It's always, you know, it's always a good idea to uh, sort of rebuild those font directories and rebuild the font caches with that FC-cache space dash VF uh, command. Now, um, there are other places to look for directories uh, where fonts can be installed. And this app, this file will come back in a few minutes that I'll talk about. If you go into slash Etsy slash fonts, you should see two files in there. Well, you'll see at least one file and that one should be fonts.conf. And you may see a file there called local.conf. And these are both um, XML files. The fonts.conf file is sort of a system file that you should never edit. It basically lists font directories and, and sort of has font settings that will be applicable to the entire system that you don't want to change. If you want to make any local changes that are on a system-wide basis, you will want to edit the local.conf file or create it if it's not there. And there are several resources on the web, and I'll put a link to some of them that explain what these two files are and how they should look. But essentially, it's an XML file that will list uh, uh, paths to your to your font directories, and it can optionally list you know some settings on how fonts are to be displayed. And I, again, for that, I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, those two directories in slash Etsy slash fonts, those two files, I should say fonts.conf and local.conf should be in slash Etsy slash fonts. Now, once you've got fonts installed, as far as configuring them and how they look and, and all of that, there's a couple things you'll want to do. First of all, what you'll want to do is take a look at your xorg.conf file and look in the module section. Now, you'll see several different things in there that relate to fonts. The first one, the most important one probably is free type. You want to make sure the free type module is listed there. Um, you'll sometimes you'll see type one because there's some some type one uh, fonts, some other kinds of fonts that will be enabled with type one. Sometimes you may see speedo, which is some other kind of bitstream fonts, uh, bitmap, which is a, another kind of terminal uh, font, and sometimes you'll see xft. Now xf, sorry xtt. Now that conflicts with free type. So if you see xtt in there, you usually don't see it in there anymore. Uh, you'll, you may want to consider taking that out because FreeType is the module that's used for the vast majority of fonts these days. It supports TrueType fonts, you know, the TTF fonts, uh, the Type 1 fonts, 
open type, bitmap, Windows fonts, all kinds of fonts. So free type is the module that you'll that you'll generally want to use. Uh, you'll also see in your xorg.conf file some font paths, and you'll see again a bunch of directories there. And that's where some of those same directories I talked about a few minutes ago you'll see, for example, slash USR, slash local, slash lib, slash X11, slash fonts, and then you'll see like a font name like Bitstream Vera or something. Uh, those paths that are in the xorg.conf file is used for uh, non-XFT fonts. And these are kind of the older fonts, things that are for, and it's also for applications that are not XFT aware. Applications will look to these directories and look for fonts in order to render you know, render the fonts in those older applications using those older fonts. So you do want to have those paths in there. But as I mentioned a, a minute ago, the vast majority of fonts these days are TTF type fonts that are going to be using font config. I think I said free type, but uh, free type is the module, but font config is what, what sort of manages the XFT fonts. And this is sort of, again, the sort of the more updated modern way of handling fonts and you know, with um, anti-aliasing and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, as I said, the uh, the fonts.conf file in Etsy in slash Etsy slash fonts is going to be the uh, the system, you know, sort of the system settings that are going to be applicable for the entire system and for all users that you do not want to change. If you do want to make system-wide changes, you'll want to change it in local.conf in slash Etsy slash fonts, or you can create a user file. A user configuration file just like you can make a user fonts folder called dot fonts you can make a user configuration file called dot fonts dot conf and that's in your home directory and again that's if that file is not there you can just create that file and you'll find lots of sample fonts dot conf files out there on the web and again it's just a, it's just an xml file and it goes through a lot of different settings this is where you can set whether you want to use the uh the free type, the the auto hinter that comes with free type, um, or if you want to, you know, turn on um, anti-aliasing, or you know, there's lots of settings out there. I don't even, I won't even get into all the details because the way fonts look to people is so subjective. I mean, you see this all the time that some people say, you know, anti-aliasing fonts look blurry, and other people say they look really good, and some people like, you know, like it with hinting, and some people like it without hinting, and so. The, the, but the important thing that I just want to kind of get a, you know across here is that the uh, the two files in slash Etsy slash fonts are again your system files that are going to make system changes and if you do want to make system changes you want to make sure you put them in local.conf there and then in addition to that if you want to make a per user change and this is what I do I usually don't mess with fonts.conf and local.conf in slash Etsy slash fonts what I have is I have my own hidden.fonts.conf file in my home directory that's got all my font settings that I've tested out over time that I it's the way I like it and uh, I just kind of copy that file from system to system and the nice thing about xorg and free type and font config is that uh, most unix like systems use the exact same thing so I mean I have my fonts.conf file running on linux on the BSD systems, it's the same file and it's got the same settings and it makes no difference. Uh, so essentially you could probably do the same thing with Solaris and any other Unix-like system that uses XORG and font config and free type and all of that. Um, so, you know, 
the the as I said the 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 biggest you know trick is is tweaking these settings in your uh, users.fonts.conf file to your liking and testing whether or not you want to use the auto hinter and and subpixel rendering and all this kind of stuff. They say if you have an LCD screen you want to have the subpixel um, rendering or subpixel sampling turned on. And, you know, again, that's just, that's just, you know, preference, you know, user preference, uh, as to whether or not, uh, whether or not to do that. One more thing about the, um, um, anti-aliasing used to be that, uh, a lot of distributions would, um, tweak the, um, free type package or the free type software to enable, uh, the bytecode interpreter, the bytecode interpreter, as far as I understand it, it's a technology that's patented by Apple to sort of render fonts in a nice way. And they've got that capability built into FreeType. But because of patent concerns and that kind of thing, that option is usually turned off. Uh, there's ways to turn it on. You can just download the source code to FreeType, and it's, it's a fairly simple process of uncommenting a line. I've done this a lot of times, and uh, recompiling FreeType. And there's lots of instructions on how to do it. And that used to be something that everybody did, and I think some distributions would would ship with the uh, with the bytecode interpreter turned on, probably um, distributions that were not concerned uh, about the patent issues. However, in the last couple of years, um, the uh, the auto hinter, which is the auto hinter in FreeType, is sort of the open source version of the bytecode interpreter, so to speak. It's probably not technically accurate, but uh, from a layman's perspective, the idea is that you, you would either use the bytecode interpreter, which is the Apple patented system, or you would use the, uh, the you know, free types auto hinter instead. You would use one or the other. And from my view and from stuff I've read online, there was a forum thread in the Arch Linux forums about this. Um, something has happened with the bytecode interpreter in free type that makes it not render as well. And so a lot of people nowadays are using the auto hinter that comes with free type, sort of the open source version, if you will, and are finding it looks really good. That's the way I have found it. You know, several years ago, I would always uh, recompile free type to enable the bytecode interpreter. But over the last year or two, at least, I haven't done that. And I've stuck with the auto hinter that comes with free type. And I think, for me at least, my fonts look great. I really, you know... Like I said in the very beginning, many years ago, Linux fonts used to be really bad, I think. And I remember several years ago comparing the fonts in Windows and Linux, and it did not look good in Linux. Nowadays, when I go to my office and I have to use Windows, the fonts in Windows XP are not as good for me, at least, as the fonts in Linux. And maybe it's because with Linux, you can tweak it a lot more, whereas in XP, there's only a couple of settings that you can change. And I haven't found a combination of settings in Windows that looks good to me. They either look really jagged or really blurry. There's nothing. I need something kind of in between, and I can do that with Linux. So, anyway, that's sort of a you know a, a high level view of fonts and uh, configuring fonts, how to install fonts, and how to configure it uh, using uh, the uh, users dot fonts dot conf file. It's like I said, an XML file, and I'll put a link to some threads that I have come across that I have used to, to build uh, mine. And it's fairly, uh, it's, it's not that much really. There's a really good sample in the Arch Linux forms. And there's also some good documentation in the free SB, uh, free BSD handbook. And I think in the Gen 2 wiki, there's also a good one there as well. So I'll put some links to these in the show notes. And you can, uh, when you make changes to any of these, uh, uh files, 
you will need to log out of X and restart X and you know to see the changes. You don't need to reboot, but you do need to log out of X. It won't just uh, take effect instantaneously. I have at least I have found that I've had to log out, log back in to really see the changes, but that's easy enough. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that little discussion of fonts. And as I said, I'm going to um, uh, pick up on the uh, listener feedback and audio comments and that kind of thing next week. Uh, so please keep them coming. Send me your emails and your uh, feedback uh, to me and I will get to those next week. But for now, it's time to wrap it up. Alrighty, everybody. Well, um, hope you enjoyed this little discussion of fonts. As I said, please feel free to send me feedback. Send me an email to linuxreality at gmail.com. And also, please do consider recording either an audio comment or question or a listener tip. You can just record it and send it as an attachment to the same email. You can also check out the uh, contact numbers at linuxreality.com slash contact and give me a call using a regular phone line or gizmo or any kind of SIP account. You can call me that way and leave me a voicemail. Uh, let's see. Next week is going to be episode 78, and I've got a few other topics in mind, but you know, maybe some of these uh, guest podcast episodes will be coming up too, so we'll just have to kind of say, as I have said before, I'll probably keep repeating, uh, You know, there may be a week or two that I'm off here and there over the next uh, little while just because of stuff going on here at home with our house and putting it up for sale and all that good stuff. So we do have the Ohio Linux Fest coming up at the end of September. I will definitely be there. I'm looking forward to it, and I may have some other news in that regard that I'll talk about next week. Uh, but for then, uh, or until then, I hope you guys consider going. If you're if you haven't planned on it, or if you're still on the fence, think about it. It should be a lot of fun. Anyway, hope you guys have a good week and a good weekend, and I'll catch y'all next time. This has been episode 77 of Linux Reality. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>